I'm just going to pray to start. Your Father, I thank you that um, you've just been putting so much in me um, while I was away and while I've <coughs> been back. Um, and I just pray, Lord, you help me to communicate what you've been laying on my heart um, and to bring it with grace, to bring it with love, and to, yeah, to, to say what you want me to say. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. So if anyone wasn't already aware, um, I spent two and a half months last year overseas in Africa. So in that time, I was in South Africa, Mozambique, and then finished my time in Madagascar. So the plan this morning is just to give a bit of a recap to some of the things I was seeing and doing, and then to kind of draw out one main thing that kind of was kind of essential to my trip that God was speaking to me about. Um, I'm probably not going to speak about all the things that I kind of was doing while I was in Africa, but by all means come and chat to me at the end if you have any questions or if you want to hear more about anything or hear any stories. love to share with you guys. So I was attending Harvest School 25 last year, which is a cross-cultural ministry school based in Pemba, Mozambique. It's run by Iris Global, which is founded by Heidi and Roland Baker. There was um, about 220 students represented, representing 30 different nations from across the world were attending, so it was a very multicultural kind of group. Um, many, many different nations represented there. So the focus of the school is upon ministering cross-culturally and also upon missions as well. And it was primarily about teaching you to be a missionary in cross-cultural environment carrying the Iris core values. So in mid-October, my journey began. I left here on the 16th, and I arrived in Johannesburg and then quickly moved to Nelspruit, South Africa, where I spent the first few weeks of school. Unfortunately, I was a little bit delayed because of visa problems. I think people can probably remember I was supposed to leave and turned up the next Sunday, which is a little bit of a surprise, but... So I had, had some problems with visas, so I ended up missing about 10 days of, the, of my time there, which was a bit of a shame, but God was in that as well, so it was all good. So the teaching was primarily based around identity here. It was about cementing who you are in God and why you're here, what our purpose is, and what Jesus has called us to do. So we got to do many pretty cool activities while we were there. Um, unfortunately, while we were there, there was a village nearby that got... Um, had a bit of a fire that destroyed 13 houses. I don't have any photos of it. Um, I thought it might be slightly disrespectful to post that. But um, we um, got to help with the cleanup of that, their village and help them to kind of clear through the rubble and start rebuilding things. I got my first experience of an African church. I don't know if you can see it there. So it's basically canvas sides and a tin roof, which I can tell you in the heat got so hot and sweaty, but um, that was a lot of fun. Um, and I also got the opportunity to share a prophetic word at the church and kind of encourage the church, which was a lot of fun. So I got to do a kind of a, a few small activities here and there. Unfortunately, we went on outreach as a team, but I arrived the day after they got back, so that was a bit of a shame. So I missed that one, but I got, another, got to do another one while I was in Mozambique anyway. So after 10 days, Oh, I skipped the gun a bit. After 10 days, um, I travelled to Pema, Mozambique, 
and this is where kind of things really got kicked off and really started. South Africa was a lot more chilled out in terms of all of the challenges I was expecting because it was in a country that spoke a bit of English. Um, we were on a campsite kind of separate from kind of most of the area and most of the people there. So it was kind of pretty easy. Um, there was running water all the time, there was electricity all the time, so it was very, it was very easy just to kind of slot into that. Um, things in Mozambique were pretty different. First of all, the main language spoken is Portuguese. Uh, my fluency in Portuguese is pretty small. Um, I probably couldn't even tell you too much now, um, which is a little bit of a challenge. Um, in addition to that, we had um, power outages quite frequently and we often went times without running water. Um, you kind of got used to showering every three days, which sounds pretty bad, but you just kind of get used to it. Um, so that was pretty interesting. Culture was very different as well. I found that quite a challenge. Um, you had to be really aware of the fact that things that you think are okay aren't okay to them. Um, one example is if you give with your left hand, that's actually a really offensive gesture, which you wouldn't even think about. But it's because the left hand is weaker than the right arm, so it's like you're considering them inferior. So that was one I accidentally managed to do and had to apologize for. Um, so there was a number of challenges like that which kind of kept you on your toes and you learnt a lot from, which was great. On to this one. So the teaching was phenomenal. Um, I don't know if you can see in that photo, but we have Heidi Baker, and you can probably see Todd White there, is listening to Heidi Baker preach, which is just kind of a, a small snapshot of some of the amazing speakers we had through. So the topics here were kind of more on the missions and cross-cultural ministry side of things. But there were also there was focuses upon holiness, so the importance of being holy and really pursuing holiness and righteousness, and then also intimacy with Jesus as well. We had the opportunity to go and serve and love the local people and go on outreach as well. It's not quite as good as I thought. Okay, hopefully you guys can see that with the lighting, but um, that's me and I've got a little kid on my shoulders and that's one of my friends, Jake's, and he's got a, a kid on his shoulder as well. That was an outreach event we did while we were um, in, there we go, that's better. An outreach event we did on base, Todd White preached and we just got to hang out with some of the local people that came through and it was just a lot of fun. We also got to do the traditional iris outreach um, we got to drive on the back of flatbed trucks a couple of hours away um, and got to show the Jesus film and, and eat like um, beans and rice in the middle of nowhere with a village we never heard of before. And that was a, a heap of fun as well, getting to play with kids. I got to share my testimony there as well. We got to do some fire tunnels. We went, went door to door praying for people and ministering to people. Um, and it was just a heap of fun and we saw a lot of fruit as well. Our group saw four salvations and six healings in like two hours, so it was pretty good. <laughs> um, and there was a number of other th like miracles that happened while we were there as well, so it was, it was a really fruitful time and um, I was so blessed to be able to experience it. So after spending six weeks in Mozambique, I flew on to Madagascar, which was kind of a different focus to Pemba because 
All of the time of being at harvest school was all about receiving from God, and this was all about pouring out. So it kind of stopped being about us and being about the people we're going to be amongst. So it was a time of um, serving the long-term missionaries at the Iris base, the local Iris staff, and also just loving the kids that are a part of the, um, the kids' centre there. So that was a lot of fun because the missionaries and staff there don't often get people coming through Madagascar, so it was an opportunity to really encourage them and to really build them up and stir them to keep pursuing after God and encouraging them. And it was also a lot of time, a lot of fun, spending time hanging out with the kids there, just getting to love them and invest in them and just be with them. This is this was my favourite kid, this guy. Um, his name's Mika. Um, he was five years old, and he was just the most happy kid I've ever met in my life. He was amazing. It's pretty, pretty crazy to think that all of the kids at that base um, are there because they've all had really rough upbringings. Um, they're either ex-street kids or abandoned by their parents or various other really kind of rough, rough backgrounds. But when you see him there, you don't even, you couldn't even imagine that because just like God has completely changed his life and the life of all of the kids at that base. So there's 140 kids they have there and they're all just so full of God and just so amazing. So it's a real blessing to be around them really. And I, I felt I learned so much from just being with them. Even though we were going to serve, I felt like we were still getting ministered to ourselves. So that's pretty amazing. We also got to meet some of the locals, which was a lot of fun. Hey. Yeah, so um, while we're there, we got to, got to go out into the rainforest and um, spend some time with some lemurs, which was heaps of fun. We did actually get to see, we didn't, that's technically not the same one as them, but we did get to see those ones as well. But um, in all seriousness, we did get to meet some of the locals as well. So we went and um, we got an opportunity to minister at um, a village which is, um, which is set on the border of a rubbish dump. I don't know if you could, probably can't really see it in the background there, but basically there's this village that lives right by a rubbish dump, and we went there twice to go and minister to them. So down at the front here are some of these kids, and they, I don't know if you can quite see that there, but there's my friend Brian, and he's got a really large beard, and they've decorated it with lots of flowers, and other different bits and pieces there. But that was just um, a lot of fun as well. We got to minister to them. So we performed a skit for them on the life of Zacchaeus. Um, we just played with them, played soccer with them, played games with them. We did some door-to-door -door prayer and ministry with them as well, which was amazing. And it's funny as well. Um, there's a, a man there at the rubbish dump who, um, as we're going, offering to pray for him, he said, would you like some of my chips? He was making some hot chips there, and the best chips I taste in all of Africa came from a Madagascan rubbish dump. <laughs> so, it was a bit of an experience. Um, it was a lot of fun. So that's a bit of a recap of my time away. There's plenty more I could say, but the focus of this morning is kind of more upon what God was teaching me as I was there. And the main thing that I kind of took away from my time was the importance of intimacy with Jesus. And I realize a word like intimacy carries connotations, so to dispel anything like that, we're just going to look at a couple of definitions. So 
either associated in close personal relations, so an intimate friend, or characterized by or involving warm friendship or a personally close or familiar association or feeling. So we're kind of focusing more on the second one here. So about the, the friendship and being personally close to God is what we're going for. When I was preparing to do this talk, I kind of looked back right the way through my notes from my time at school there. And I noticed from right from the first talk, spanning the whole way through, was this theme of intimacy. Uh, the first talk um, that we had was, was based upon intimacy, and it was always there the whole way through. And it's actually funny because that's true of the Bible as well. If you look through the entire Bible, you just see this theme of intimacy the whole way through. Right from Genesis to new creation and revelation, God is desiring intimacy with us. Yes. He wants this close friendship with us. Yes. Genesis 3 verse 8 describes God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So right from the third chapter of the Bible, he was dwelling with them and being intimate with them. There wasn't any distance between God and his creation at this point. He was with them, among them. He spent time with them. He was in close relationship with them. Having close relationship and intimacy with God is obtained through experience, not knowledge. Knowing things about someone doesn't mean you actually know them. Let me illustrate. I think we all know who this person is. Correct? Yes. So this is Richie McCaw. We all know him. Here's some information about him. Full name is Richard Hugh McCaw. Date of birth is the 31st of December 1980. Born in Corot, New Zealand. Various other bits and pieces there. So we know a little bit about Richie McCaw. Now, you might have already known that, but if you don't, there's some information. Now, because I know facts about Richie McCaw and I know his name, that doesn't mean I actually know him. Yes. And in the same way, you can know things about God without actually knowing him. This is what Jesus said to the Pharisees. He said, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. Yet these are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Whew. The Pharisees knew so much about God. They were the experts in the scriptures. They could recite them upon command. They were the most qualified people to recognize the coming of the Messiah. But despite their knowledge of God, when God came amongst them, they didn't want to know him. They missed out on the very thing their studying was actually for. Having close relationship and intimacy with God is not obtained through head knowledge but through experience. Now, I'm not saying that head knowledge isn't important, because it is. I absolutely love the Bible and love to read the Bible, but the Bible is meant to point us towards God, as it says in the Scripture. 
And the Bible testifies about Jesus so that we can come to him and have life. The knowledge in our head is meant to help connect us to God with our heart so that we can come to him and experience him. Roland Baker said this in one of his talks, and it really messed me up. Jesus is perhaps the loneliest person in the church. It really hit me that I didn't know God as much as I thought I did. I knew a lot about God. I could explain these theological concepts. I could open the scriptures to you. I could do all range of things, but in terms of God himself, I was kind of lacking. I didn't know him as much as I thought I did. I was missing the point. I wasn't spending much time being with God in the secret place. I wasn't being intimate with God. I wasn't far from Him at all, but my focus had drifted off being with Him. And actually, He's the thing that really matters. There's no point having a big knowledge of the Bible if you don't also have a big knowledge of God. And I don't want the same thing to, to befall you as well. I don't want you to lose sight of what really matters because it's all about Jesus. You know, that's why we're here this morning. We're here to meet with God. Another quote from Roland. You have only one purpose in life and that is Jesus. Let's open the scriptures. This is what Jesus said in John 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I just want to draw out three quick points from these verses and then we'll close. Number one, everything comes from intimacy with God. 
Verse 4 of that set of verses says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. If we want to bear fruit, then we need to remain in Jesus. Pretty straightforward. Apart from him, we can do nothing. And if we remain in him, we will bear two kinds of fruit. So we'll bear the fruit of the Spirit and fruit for the kingdom. Galatians 5.22 and 23 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the kind of fruit we will be producing if we remain in him. And if we don't remain in him, we're not going to produce fruit for the kingdom either. Because if we're not full of him, we have nothing to offer anyone else. The only way we're going to change this city is through remaining in him and being in close relationship with him. People will come to him when we show ourselves to be his disciples by displaying this fruit in our lives. The world is actually looking for the things that Jesus offers. It just doesn't know it. There is so much upheaval, unrest, hatred and turmoil in the world right now. And we hold the answers the world is looking for. When we show love in the midst of hatred, when we embody peace in the midst of conflict, when we carry joy in the midst of suffering, and when we choose goodness in the midst of evil, the world will come running to us because we are so different from what they see around them. We will have the things that they want and are looking for. But this will only come from remaining in Him and being with Him. Second point. Intimacy with Him is what sustains us. So it's quite closely linked to the first one. Verse 6. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Actually, without time spent with him in his presence, we will wither and die like branches separated from the vine. In the same way that a branch gets all its nourishment and sustenance from the vine that it is a part of, it is the same with us getting all our sustenance and life from remaining in him. You cannot store up intimacy you need it afresh from God every day. Being with God every day is essential to growing and staying spiritually nourished. It's interesting. Um, one of the things I got to do while I was in Mozambique was I got to run a small discipleship uh, group for um, some young teenage guys um, every week, which was a lot of fun. Um, and we basically just got to hang out with them, chill with them, worship with them and pray with them and just share what we felt God was leading us to share that week. The last night we were running this group for them before we were going to leave. Um, we just kind of celebrated by having pizza together, which is kind of a big deal for them because basically they only eat like rice, beans and mangoes basically the entire time. So eating th anything other than that is kind of a big deal, especially pizza, which is like especially awesome. So that was a lot of fun. Um, we got to do that with them. So we had um, a couple of guys who were making the pizzas for us and we were basically paying them to do that. Um, and then 
everyone kind of assembled, which kind of takes a long time to happen in Africa because of African time. So everyone kind of assembled and we were kind of ready to, to either eat the pizzas or kind of start the meeting. And we, we put it out to these guys. We said, do you guys want to eat first or do you guys want to worship and pray first and, and then hear from us? And given the choice, they actually chose that they would rather be before God before eating their pizza, which I thought was amazing. Um, simply, they know where their life comes from. They prioritized hearing from God over getting the pizzas that they would so long to have. They did have them afterwards, so not like they chose between the two and didn't get to have the pizzas as well, but they chose to be with God and eat those pizzas when they were cold instead of going to God after eating food. So that was pretty impressive from my point of view. And I'm even more impressed being time around Heidi, who's such an incredible and challenging person for all the right reasons. I've never met a person so busy in my life. Um, she was telling us that she quite often gets up at 4 a.m. and often finishes her day at 12 a.m. So if you count the number of hours of sleep, you can do it on one hand. And that's what she normally does every day. Um, and there's just so much demand for her time and attention. If any of the Mozambicans have a problem, they turn up at her doorstep in the morning to get it sorted. So it's, they don't go to anyone else, they go to her. So she's the one that deals with all of that. Plus being the person that runs the school, preaches in the school, facilitates things, has meetings, is trying to get the Irish University up and running. So much things are going on, but yet she still has time to spend hours with God each day. And I'm convinced that the only way she can do everything she does is because she has that time with him. Martin Luther said this, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. I'm convinced that the busier you are, the more time you need to spend with him, not the other way around. It's the only way you're going to get through it. Third point is, there is a cost. See, God wants to be number one in our life. He commanded us not to have any other God, so any other thing before him. If we really want to pursue him in this, we need to, have, we need to make some sacrifices. We have to give up doing other things to really go after him instead. These days, there's no shortage of ways you could spend your time. You could either be cruising the internet, going on Netflix, you know, hanging out with your friends. You could be doing heaps of things to entertain yourself. But if you want to spend time with God, you're probably going to need to sacrifice some of those at some point to do so. I think this is one of the reasons why the church in the developing world seems to thrive in comparison to us, is that they kind of have less of these distractions that keep them from getting to God. Because they're so... Um, because they don't have as much of these distractions, they can spend much more time with God and therefore they remain in Him and produce the fruit I was describing before. We need to constantly be saying yes to God before the other things of this world. We need to guard our time with Him and fight to maintain it daily. Otherwise, we're going to wither and die. But if you think about it, it's a really small price to pay giving up a couple of your hours here and well, every day to spend with God. It's not really a cost at all when you think about all that you're going to gain from it and the amount of joy that you bring to God for doing so. 
if being before him is what sustains us, then it really shouldn't be considered a cost at all. It's just like eating food every day.